Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, it's great to see you guys. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church, whether you're here, whether you're streaming with us today. My name is Scott, and we're in the fifth week of our series called Signs. And this series is based on the Gospel of John, uh, the things that the disciple John wrote for us that pointed him to Jesus, the seven signs uh, that he concluded, man, Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And we're going to conclude this series on Easter Sunday with the resurrection. And just as a side note, Easter Sunday, we're going to have three service times. All right. We're going to have a 9, 10, 15, and an 11, 30. So whatever works for you, your friend, uh, family, if you're coming here, whether you're streaming with us or here in person, it doesn't matter. Uh, we will celebrate communion that day. So if you're going to watch from home, make sure you get some juice, some water, bread, crackers, whatever, and celebrate communion with us. But invite your friends. Uh, even if you stream, invite them to stream the same time you do and maybe catch up with them afterwards. But so far in this series, we've talked about four of these signs. And I just want to give you a real quick review in case you're just joining us. But the first week, Matt talked about Jesus's very first miracle that was turning water into wine at the wedding in Cana. And that kind of kicked off Jesus's ministry. Then the second week, we looked at the Roman official who begged Jesus to come heal his son. He believed the testimony about Jesus that he had heard from other people. He believed the rumors he had heard about Jesus and he sought Jesus out to heal his son. And then the third week we talked about the man who was lame. For 38 years, he had been lame. The religious leaders completely ignored him, said, hey, the reason you're this way is because of your, uh, your parents' sin. So they ignored him. So what did Jesus do? He crossed the religious boundaries, the religious rules, and he healed the guy on the Sabbath. Then last week, we looked at a miracle that is familiar to a lot of you. It was the feeding of the 5,000 and, and how Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children. So probably 15 to 20,000 people Jesus fed with five loaves and two fish. Now, within that miracle last week, Jesus walked on the water. So we combine two miracles into one because the walking on the water happens within the feeding of the 5,000 miracle. Now, some people count these seven signs of John and they count those as two separate ones. And then the seventh one's not the resurrection. The seventh one is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. So we combined them. So don't be Googling and sending me emails saying, well, you messed that up. Because uh, we want to end this with the resurrection on Easter Sunday. It doesn't matter. All of these things pointed John to Jesus. Uh, but if you think about that miracle we looked at last week, those people were following Jesus because they wanted something, right? They were asking that question, what's Jesus going to do for us? What's he going to give us today? They were thrilled with the miracles that Jesus was performing. So Jesus feeds them, and about five, six, seven hours later, they find Jesus again on the other side of the lake, and what are they looking for? They're looking to be fed again. They completely missed the miracle, and they just wanted another miracle. They just wanted another miracle for Jesus to prove who he was. And it'd be easy for us to get kind of hypercritical of those people and, and pretty judgmental on that crowd, but honestly, that's us a lot of times, 
right? There's miracles that happen around us every single day, but we discount them or we dismiss them. Think about uh, uh, the human body and how the human body works and how amazing the human body is. And it's, it's a miraculous creation, yet we deal with our bodies every day, so we kind of discount it. But, you know, we have senses. We can see, uh, see and touch and feel and taste. We can give love and receive love. We can heal ourselves, right? Our bodies are kind of self-healing. You cut yourself, you scrape your knee, you break a bone, it's going to heal. It's a miraculous uh, creation from God, yet we're in our body every day and we kind of discount it. We kind of miss the miracle of what God's created. Think about the earth, just how it sustains us. It, it gives us life and we can breathe and we can eat food and how the sun and the moon and the stars are all in perfect alignment and perfect harmony. You know, they say if the earth was off its axis by, you know, maybe one degree, we'd fry or we'd freeze to death. Yet, we're here every day, we kind of discount it, we kind of take it for granted. And I think, like those people in the miracle we looked at last week, if we could see the miracles that are around us every single day that happen every day of our lives, we would see God more clearly. And, and that's really kind of the point of John's fifth sign. He wants us to see something. And, and the fifth sign that John shares with us is the man that was born blind and how Jesus healed him. And it's found in John chapter nine. And like each other uh, week we've been in this series, we're gonna kind of go through these verses and then we'll talk about them a little bit. But it starts in verse one and two of chapter nine. And if you're following along with our notes, uh, they're on our church center app, or if you're watching online, they'll send you a link to access those. But it starts out like this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Now, rewind to two weeks ago when we talked about the man who was lame for 38 years. And the religious leaders told him, hey, you're this way because of your, your parents' sin." That's what the religious leaders taught. If you were suffering, if something was wrong with you, it was because of your sin or it was because of your parents' sin. So the religious leaders would see somebody suffering and they just thought, well, they're getting what they deserve. That's what they thought. That's what they taught. Now, we know that sometimes our choices in life, you know, they have consequences, right? But that's not always the case. And so what Jesus is getting ready to do is really shake those religious leaders to the, to the core and, and shake their view on this, that well, another person's sin or your own sin causes your suffering every single time. John chapter 9, verse 3, Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him. What's Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that God sometimes uses that platform of our pain and our suffering to display his strength and his miraculous power. In fact, think about it. You've probably seen this before. Think about somebody you know that has taken pain head on or suffering head on and it caused your faith to grow. Maybe their marriage fell apart. 
Maybe it was a financial collapse. Maybe it was somebody battling cancer. And that person's faith was so strong going through that. When you witnessed that, it made your faith actually grow. So our first learning is this. God demonstrates his grace and strength through our weakness and suffering. A lot of times that's how he demonstrates his power. Let's read on. Uh, John 9, 4 through 5. Continuing with this story, Jesus says, We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. You know, at first you read that and you're like, What's he talking about? But what Jesus is saying here is, Hey, I'm God, God in the flesh. That's not going to be any clearer to you than it is right now. In other words, I'm the light of the world. That light is not going to be any brighter to you than right now. So I want you to take good notes. Jesus says, I want you to pay attention. I want you to follow me. I want you to let me teach you. And then in verse 6 and 7, it says this. This is where the miracle takes place. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with a saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seen. Now that's it. John doesn't give us much more detail than that. The man walks to the pool. He does exactly what Jesus says, and he comes back seen. But think about this. He chose to trust somebody he couldn't see. Right? He couldn't see Jesus. He could only hear his voice. He trusted someone he couldn't see based on what he heard from Jesus and what he had heard about Jesus. And that's the exact same thing Jesus asked us to do. We can't maybe physically see Jesus, but he wants us to trust him. Trust the testimony of other people. Again, that's why John's writing this. He wants us, all these signs, he wants us to see Jesus. And then in verse 8 and 9, it says this. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Someone said he was, and others said, nah, it just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. This guy's saying, look, I know I look a little different. I'm walking a little different because I can now see where I'm going. I'm not having to shuffle around. I'm not having to feel my way. I don't use my cane anymore. I'm not begging anymore. But I am the man. I tell my wife that all the time. Honey, I am the man. But he's trying to convince them, hey, I'm the same person. I was blind, but now I'm not. And then in verse 10 through 14, the religious leaders, they asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Well, where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. 
So really what they did is they did what they were supposed to do in the old covenant and under the law of Moses. When somebody was healed, they were supposed to present themselves to the priest, to the religious leaders before they could enter back into society and say, hey, I've been healed. And of course, they would question them and they'd enter back into society. And if you notice, this miracle is like the one we looked at two weeks ago. The man who was lame for 38 years, Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. He gave sight to the blind man on the Sabbath. And you got to be wondering, doesn't Jesus remember that they don't like this when he heals on the, the, the Sabbath? What's Jesus doing? He's stirring up those religious leaders. He's challenging the way they think and the way they do things. That's his whole point in healing on the Sabbath. So let's continue, John 9, 15 through 16. So the guys there with the Pharisees, the Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, uh, this man Jesus is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs. So there was deep division of opinion among them. So even in those religious leaders, there's some division going on. And actually, Jesus didn't keep their version of the Sabbath, right? Remember their man-made rules and regulations on the Sabbath, what you could do and what you couldn't do? What was really going on here? And if we're, if we're honest, Jesus wasn't operating within the strict confines of how they thought God should act. That's what was happening. Jesus did something out of what they thought God should be doing. See, the religious leaders, just like us, they had their own opinion of how God should behave and how God should act and what God should do and what God shouldn't do. And, and then so here comes Jesus and he heals this person that they thought was a sinner from birth or his parents were sinners from birth. And Jesus healed him, went outside of their parameters of who they thought God was. And so what they determined was, well, he can't be from God because he didn't do what we think God should do. And here's what's happening. Learning number two, Jesus often operates outside of the box we put him in. That's what's happening here. They had put God in a box. Jesus comes along, claims to be God. He does something outside of that box, so they discount him and say, well, that couldn't be God. He often operates outside of the box that we put him in. So before we get too you know, judgmental on these religious leaders and these Pharisees, I think we have to ask ourselves, what boundaries have I put on God? Because some of us, in all honesty, we stopped believing, or we stopped going to church, or we stopped praying, or we stopped following because God did something that was outside of how we thought God should operate, or God didn't do something that we thought God should do for us. He didn't answer our prayer. He didn't heal me. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. And because God didn't operate the way we thought he should operate in that little confined box we put him in, we discounted him. We stopped following him or we stopped believing. John 9, uh, John 9, 17 through 23. Then the Pharisees questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion? 
about this man who healed you? And the man replied, well, yeah, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leader still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called his parents. They asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? And his parents replied, "Uh, we know this is our son. And we know that he was born blind. But we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. In other words, kicked out of church. That's why they said, he's old enough. Ask him. See, what had happened to this person they thought was suffering because of his own sin or his parents' sin, because of what happened, there was no room for that in their theology. In other words, there was no room for Jesus healing this person within the confines of what they believed about God. What happened to this blind guy, there was no room for that in their worldview and how they thought things should operate and how God should operate. And let's be honest, a lot of things happen like that in our lives that happen outside of how we think God should operate. But there was no room for what was happening to that blind man in the minds of the religious people, even though they were seeing it with their very own eyes. They knew this guy. They saw this guy begging every day. They knew he was blind from birth, yet they couldn't believe it because it didn't fit within how they thought God should operate. In reality, it was the religious leaders who were really blind right? They had their physical sight, but they were the ones that were blind. They were blinded by their assumptions about who God was and, and what God should be doing. And they, they won't let up on this guy. It's like trying, you know how you try to win an argument even though you know you're wrong and you just keep arguing, arguing, arguing. You know you're wrong. You just keep digging the hole deeper for yourself. They won't let up on this guy because it didn't fit with what they thought. So again, uh, John 9, 24 through 25, a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. Talking about Jesus. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. This blind guy, he acknowledges that there's a whole lot that he doesn't understand, right? The world, the religious leaders was telling him, you're like this because of your sin, or you're like this because of your parents' sin. But then he sees this, or hears this man's voice, Jesus, that showed him compassion, that showed him mercy, that showed him grace, that gave him his sight. And he couldn't explain it. But he summed it up best. He said, hey, one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I can't answer all your questions, guys. That's what he was saying. I don't know if if this guy was a sinner or not. All I know is I can now see. I couldn't see before. Let me go over it again for you. 
This guy, Jesus, he comes up to me. He, he puts mud in my eyes. He tells me to go wash off the, the mud. I, I was just going to go to my regular spot this morning and start begging. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes up. And now I can see. You know I was born blind. You asked my parents. They confirmed it for you. I don't know what else to tell you guys. I was blind, but now I see. This is a great story, a great miracle, a great sign in the Bible. Because this guy's story, guess what? It's a lot of us. It's our story. It's the same story for millions and millions of followers of Jesus. Oh, I, I can't explain it. I don't understand it all, right? There was a season in my life when I was at my wit's end. There was a season in my life when I was at rock bottom. There was a season in my life when my marriage was falling apart. There was a season in my life when I was hopeless. And I can't explain it, but something happened. I can now see. I can now see Jesus for who he is, and he's my savior. For a lot of us, that's our story. You know, I was blind to the truth about Jesus, and now I know who Jesus is, and I have a relationship with Jesus. I can't explain it, but we know that we've been met with the grace of Christ. For some of you, it happened instantly, like this guy in the story. Others of you, it was a gradual process, but you know you used to be blind to who Jesus was, and now you know who Jesus is. We were blind, and now we can see, and our life has never been the same. I mean, think about it. If you try to tell your story to somebody, you know, maybe how you met Jesus or how, you know, when you invited Jesus into your life and you're telling your story, there's probably some gaps in that story, right? There may be some things about your story you can't totally explain, or there's some things you don't totally understand, you may not even understand all the theology behind it, but you just know you would never go back to the way life was when you didn't know who Jesus was because you've now encountered Jesus' grace. You were blind, but now you see. You didn't understand everything, but you believed, which is learning number three. We don't have to completely understand everything in order to believe something right? We don't have to understand every single thing about something to believe something. But sometimes we think we have to understand every single thing about God before we can believe him. That's where these religious leaders were. Though we don't live our lives like that within a lot of other subjects, do we? Do you believe in love? Yeah. Can you fully explain it? No. You can't. Do you believe in gravity? Yeah. Can you fully explain it and know exactly about it? No. Kind of like uh, gravity showed itself when we were doing the switchover from the music to me coming out here. You heard the guitar hit the stage. Right? Do you believe in, in right and wrong and truth from error? How, how do we have a moral compass? I don't know, but I believe I have a moral compass. Can I explain it and exactly everything about it? No. But when it comes to God, for some reason, 
We hold God to a higher standard and think that we have to understand every single thing about God before we can ever believe. We're like those religious leaders sometimes. Let's read on. John 9, 26 through 34. Then they asked him, what did he, tell, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples too? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And then the blind guy says, you know, now this is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does, does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a, of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this they replied, you are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Again, they couldn't explain it, so they threw him out. They discounted. They went back to what they knew. You were like this because of your sin. They had willful blindness. The religious leaders did. They refused to see what was right in front of them that could be seen. And a lot of times, unfortunately, that is us. This man was blind. They knew it. Now he could see. They saw it happen, and they didn't believe it. And I think sometimes that's us because we can become blind and we can become resistant to things that are different from the way we think things should work, right? We become blind and resistant to things that don't operate the way we think they should operate. Or when somebody else has a worldview that's outside of our worldview. A lot of times we're resistant to things that don't fit into our image of God. Or we're resistant to things and blind to things that don't fit into that box that we've put God in. And quite honestly, it makes me a lot like these religious leaders. It makes you sometimes like these religious leaders because we have walked away from God. Because we didn't understand everything. That's what they did. We've withheld love and respect from people because they were different than us. We've put God in a box and thought, well, he can't love these people because they don't line up with him or, or they're different or they see things differently. We have to have the love of Jesus Anytime something or someone doesn't line up with us. I'm not saying you have to agree with things that go against God's word, but we have to have the love of Christ in us at all times. That's what Jesus did. He loved everybody, no matter where they were in life. But the religious leaders just couldn't get past their view of how they thought God should operate of who God should love and who God shouldn't love. I think followers of Christ, and I know that's not everybody. I know a lot of you still have questions. You're still investigating. You don't know where you stand on that spiritual spectrum. That's okay. Keep asking questions. But those of you that are followers of Christ, 
I think we have to be the most accommodating, the most accepting, the most loving, the most open-minded people in any situation we're, we're placed in, the most compassionate with people. We shouldn't be afraid to look past what we know because we may not know everything about God. We should be the most excited when we see something happening in a person's life. Those religious leaders should have been thrilled at what was going on in this guy's life and what God was doing for him, but they weren't. If we discount people because they're different than us or they don't fit into the mold of who we think they are or we discount even other Christians because they don't do the things that we do that we think we should do, we'll never be able to reach people with the love of Christ. Anytime somebody moves towards God, no matter how small the step, no matter how big the step, we should all be excited. We should be thrilled, even if they don't get the words right. Even if they don't pray right, even if they don't get the theology right, even if they got issues like all of us have issues, because people don't have to understand everything in order to believe something. These religious leaders closed the door to this guy's progress because they couldn't explain it. So what about you? Have you closed the door to somebody's progress in their walk with God, or maybe you've closed the door to even the idea of God because you thought God should operate this way. He doesn't operate the way you think he should, so you, you discounted him. Is it possible that we've placed God in a, in a box and anything that doesn't immediately fit with inside of that box, we throw it out? We discount it. Maybe the God that a lot of us Quit believing as a God that doesn't even exist in the first place. What if God is so much bigger than the box we've placed him in? What if God's bigger than anything we've ever been taught? That's what's happening in this story. It's okay to be wrong sometimes, but what's not okay is to ignore what we can see. What's happening right in front of us. These religious leaders completely ignored the move of God that they could physically see. And so that's John's entire message in this sign. There is something I want you to see. I want you to see Jesus and who Jesus is. The Savior of the world. See, God loves us so much He sent himself to this earth so that none of us would be without him. So none of us would be lost without him. And just like this blind man, John, the writer of this miracle, came to recognize that you don't have to understand every single thing in order to believe. Some of it is faith. Just like the man had to go to that pool and wash his eyes off in faith, God expects us to take steps of faith. He wants our eyes to be open and see what it is that he truly offers. And listen, if you're watching today or you're here and and you've never invited Christ into your life, you've been blind to anything of God that was outside of your box, why don't you make the decision today to follow him? I'll lead you in a prayer when we pray 
uh, to do that if that's something that you want to do. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this, uh, again, incredible miracle, incredible sign that shows your power and your strength, but also shows us how we can be blind in our lives to what you're up to and what you're doing in people's lives. Lord, help us not to be blind and resistant to the people that you place around us that you want us to reach out to and love on and minister to. Maybe you're watching today as we're praying and and you've been blind to a relationship with Christ because Christ didn't fit within your box. Why don't you invite him into your life? Just pray from the quietness of your heart. You're not praying out loud. You're praying to Jesus. Just say, Jesus, hey, I'll be honest. Man, I've been blind to what you've been trying to do in my life. But I want to open my heart to you. It's best I know how. I'm inviting you into my life. I know I'm a sinner. And I know you free me of my sin. And that's what I want. So come into my life. Maybe you've been following Christ for years and years, but you can see there's some things you've been blind to and resistant to. Ask God to open up your eyes. God, I thank you for these people. I thank you for this church. I thank you for every church in our community. Help us all to see what you're up to and what you're doing in this world. God, be with those that are are hurting, that are sick, that are suffering. Lord, send people around them to heal them, to help comfort them, to give them some grace. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick as we finish up, if you want to continue to finish filling out those connection cards, we'll keep you up to date with what's going on in the church each week. Uh, Just one newsletter a week. If you want to opt in or opt out, you can do that. Our young adults group, men and women, if you're in your 20s, if you're in college, you know, you're not an old person like me, uh, the young adult group is going on a hike this afternoon. Actually, they're leaving here at the church at 1230. They're going to hike Buffalo Mountain. So if that's your age bracket and you're looking for a really great group of of girls and guys to hang out with, I want to encourage you to meet in the lobby about 1220. Uh, You're probably carpool down there. You can see Mark. You know, Mark's got a beard, dark hair, big guy. He's got a Blue Ridge Church shirt on and he will give you all the details, but they're going to have a, they got a great group and they're going to have a great afternoon. So if you want to participate with that, I want to encourage you to do that. Remember those Easter times, 9, 10, 15, and 1130. I so appreciate you guys being here. Uh, I pray you have a great Sunday and a great week. God bless you.